What's up, guys? It is Wednesday, November 13th. This week on the podcast, I have Daniel Goldman. Daniel is the CEO of Turnio, where they're working on creating a more scalable blockchain protocol and an easier way for you to spend your crypto called BlockCard. This is a really great episode that I think you guys are really going to enjoy. And if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe and share this episode with somebody that you think would like to learn more about blockchain or BlockCard or Turnio. Enjoy. This is the Blockhash Podcast. How you doing, Daniel? Doing great. Thanks. Um, so for the audience and the people that may or may not um, be familiar with you and what you do, tell me a little bit about your background and your backstory. Yeah, so for me personally, so I'm the CEO and founder of a company called Turnio, an enterprise blockchain company based out of Alpharetta, Georgia, which is sort of this little fintech hub. Um, right just north of Atlanta. Um, coincidentally, BitPay is here. But really, Microsoft regional office is here. Pretty, I mean, a lot of major companies are based out of not only Atlanta, but Alpharetta. It's a, it's a fintech hub with over 800 technology companies. And it just so happened by chance that uh, we happened to uh, be based here. And we specialize in a fintech platform, even though we're a you know, broad-scale blockchain company and all and all elements thereof, but we've built a fintech platform called BlockCard um, that is both allows for consumers to use cryptocurrencies and spend that cryptocurrency anywhere they, you know, visas accepted in the US, their BlockCard, but also it's a platform that connects to other companies so they can white label our technology and have, you know, there's a whole host of different fintech features that they'll be able to tie into. Are there other crypto Companies and corporations in Atlanta as well? Or are you guys like one of the only ones? There's a lot going on in Atlanta. We're really proud of this. So it's it, a lot of people don't realize this, but because Atlanta is a payments town, like payment processors, payments just, you know, over 60% of global transactions when it comes to payments run through Atlanta. Most people don't know that. Um, and so what's happened is, you know, it's an educated workforce, a lot of Fortune 500 companies. Um, and because there's a fintech sort of, you know, bent to the to the marketplace or to our, to our city, um, there is a natural tendency to have blockchain development here. Uh, so, in a, you know, Bakht is based here. Uh, they're, they're owned by the uh, Intercontinental uh, Exchange that they also own the uh, New York Stock Exchange. So they're based out of Atlanta. Um, BitPay's in Atlanta. Uh, Storage is in Atlanta. Obviously, we're in Atlanta, which we're very proud of. Um, there is a lot of great stuff happening in Atlanta when it comes to blockchain. Yeah, that's awesome. I didn't know that. So is there like a sandbox there or is it like, are there grants or something or like what's incentivizing these crypto businesses to pop up? Uh, and another thing I didn't mention, like there's a whole host of like ATM, Bitcoin ATMs <laughs> right mm. here. Um, I, I, <laughs> I don't, you know, it's a conservative town when it comes to investment. Um you get a lot more sort of investment for for seed kind of companies or pre-seed kind of uh, thing as you would in Silicon Valley. They're a lot more more sort of they see the vision and they'll invest in the vision. Here it's kind of like we'll invest in the company. We'll help to build up the ecosystem when you've made it a little further. There are incubators. There is a Georgia Tech is great. There you know that's a number two tech university in in the United States. Uh, so there's a great ecosystem there with a whole, you know, the several VCs. Um, but I would say that the number one thing that drives it is the sort of the 
when it comes to blockchain is um, is probably the the correlation to fintech that exists here and the ecosystem of you know great universities from Emory, Georgia Tech, uh, you know Georgia State's not bad, obviously. Um, all the HSBCs that are here, um, so it there's a lot going on here, and I, I wouldn't say it's built, you know, it's because of uh, you know a, a profound or you know great investment, uh, you know, kind of capital, but it's definitely happening. Yeah, that's awesome. It's great to hear that that's happening in Atlanta. Like I usually hear about that stuff happening in certain areas of Arizona or Vegas or Silicon Valley exactly. or the Bay Area. You don't usually hear it cropping up in Atlanta. So that's very cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, there's exciting stuff happening for anybody who, who is interested in blockchain. They definitely need to come down to Atlanta. Absolutely. So I, I went to the, the Litecoin summit in Vegas, uh, talked with you a little bit, spent some time there during blockchain week and got to know, uh, what you guys do at Turnio and Blockcard pretty well for the audience and the people that will be listening. Uh, what, what is Turnio and Blockcard exactly? And how do they kind of work together? Turnio is the company, right? Turnio is the inter- we, we do right. enterprise blockchain. And what we found, it's funny when we started, we started off as using um, the data layer, uh, for lack of a better term. And I think a blockchain, I think of it as you have a data layer and you have a payment layer. Um, and so we were focused heavily on building a scalable blockchain, which we have called Lexicon, and we were focused on using that for track and trace within specifically as a starting point, the digital advertising ecosystem, but more broadly, it kind of applies. Pretty much every enterprise, any industry, anything that has a complicated supply chain or a supply chain. Um, what we found, though, is because there's sort of that that payment layer where you have a digital asset that allows for a frictionless uh, transfer of value, which is what it does, in a way that the banking system mm-hmm. and traditional fintech uh, providers don't allow. We found a lot. We had one page in our block in our white paper about the block card, one page, and we knew that it was something that kind of on its own could be its own business. Um, but we were kind of doing both on, on a dual track. We started to get a lot of not only excitement from a consumer perspective, because frankly, exchanges are kind of, you know, taking advantage of people, you know, they're, they're expensive. Um, and there's a, we were solving a problem that consumers were interested in, that we were also solving a problem that, that everyone else in the ecosystem that was an exchange or, was a cryptocurrency. Um, there's a whole host of different kind of use cases, but a lot of people would hit us up regularly and say, "How can I? How can I have a block card? But I want to white label it." So what we've done is we have this fintech platform, block card platform, and we are white labeling with some really big names. Um, one of them that's well known is is um, Litecoin. Um, we've signed another deal with a, um, another company that's even bigger than Litecoin. I haven't, we haven't shared that yet, um, but there, we got a significant number of companies at this point who have, um, we've signed contracts with to white label our technology. And all we're really doing is the, the FinTech platform sort of runs parallel to the existing banking FinTech rails. It inter, it interoperates seamlessly. So it moves, it's in and out pretty easily in terms of there's sort of a convergence from the cryptocurrency world and traditional fiat banking fintech world. And we're kind of making those two things just totally interconnected. So what that does is it gives you a lot of options as a consumer. You can choose to do what you want with your own money, how you want to do it. It doesn't eliminate responsibility for KYC or you know 
regulations that exist within within the you know government of the United States or whatever country we're doing business in. But what it does do is make it much more convenient, and certainly we hope it makes it much cheaper for the consumer. Yeah, it definitely makes it a lot more convenient. Is did you guys have to go through certain compliance hurdles to get this set up? There's a lot, just a ton. I imagine. You know, and and there's so many potential trip wires. It's getting um, getting Visa comfortable with what we're doing with with block card took a long time. You know, there's only like four cards in the country right now that that are doing this, where you have a sort of a crypto card, for lack of a better term. And the way that we've built out the um, the way that we've built out the the platform. It, 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 it's smart, you know? And so the compliance piece is super important with the banks. Compliance piece is super important with Visa. Um, and then there's a whole bunch of technical challenges, just integrating into the traditional payment systems. And then you've got to deal with things like make sure that, you know, you're, you're following all of the rules with FinCEN and the SEC, you know, there's a lot, but we, we, you know, we're registered with FinCEN, we're registered with the SEC Unlike so many other companies, we didn't run away from the United States. We we're based out of Delaware. Now I was born in Texas. I'm a proud American, and I was born here. I'm dying here, and we're gonna follow the rules. And I've always told people regulations aren't bad. Just make sure we want we want to have rules that people can easily understand, which they're not always easy to understand. And as long as you have that, then at least when you're running a business, you know what what sort of the boundaries are you need to stay within. And that's that's essentially what we try to do is to make sure. That we're just making it easier for the consumer and we're making the government happy. And then we have a basically built a business in a space that, frankly, a lot of people aren't comfortable in. And that means there's a lot of opportunity for us because while everybody else is trying to figure it all out through, through this kind of fog of war moment, um, it's, it's left us with an opportunity that in a way that maybe, you know, we wouldn't have had, had uh, it maybe in a different time two years from now. Yeah, it's very interesting. Like I've, I haven't noticed like a whole lot of uh, crypto, like credit cards, debit cards that you can use that are like on the market. Like I've, I have a BitPay card and I use that sometimes, but it's not very convenient to use, which is why I was pretty excited when I saw your guys' yep. card. Cause it looked like it had like a chip reader on it. Um, the, the UI seemed pretty, pretty straightforward. And you're talking about how you use the, the Turnio token to, to hold the, the balance when you transfer crypto over to it. Correct. Correct. And, and I want to say kudos to BitPay for being like the first one to kind of be there. They're like the, the original gangster you know, of the industry. Um, you know, they they do a couple of different things. They do a lot of payment processing and then they, they of course, mm-hmm. have a card, but uh, most of their money is in the payment processing side. And, and they were the first one to kind of create version 1.0. Um, we're very proud of kind of, you know, I don't want to say anything in a way that would be necessarily right. unnecessarily right. combative, um, but I like to believe that we've, we've out-innovated what's in the marketplace. And so where, like you said, your experience uh, with BitPay, we've really worked hard to ensure that it's a seamless process. So like, for example, the vision is I can literally set up an account as simple as setting up an email account. That's important. Grandma has to be able to do it. I can deposit my funds. I'm not required. I don't have to wait for ACH or SWIFT. I can deposit it with as fast as blockchain happens. So it could be two seconds or it could be 30 minutes. It just depends on what kind of crypto you're depositing. And then I do my KYC, which is automated. I'll take pictures of myself like you would with Coinbase or somebody else like that. And then instantly, I literally already have access to my funds 
and I have access to a mechanism to use those funds via Visa card within my phone that, although at present it's not connected, but what will be, we've been working on and it's taken way too long, is you'll basically have access to Google Pay, Apple Pay, Samsung Pay. So with your phone, you'll be making payments in stores, even if you just basically signed up for Blockcard. So in five minutes, you could literally have not had a, an account, created an account, funded it, and then paid with paid for something with Apple Pay in a store or bought something on Amazon. I mean, that's kind of the vision, and it's going to give customers a lot of flexibility in a way that I don't think they would have had before. Yeah, tons of flexibility. So, like, what kind of or which cryptos can you use to fund your block card? So we've got twelve today. Um, so we've got Bitcoin, mm-hmm. uh, Litecoin, uh, BCH. Um, Ethereum. We're actually going to be layering in now with um, Ripple. So we're going to add XRP. Um, of mm-hmm. course, there's R token, Stellar. Um, we've got several stable tokens, USDT, USDC, uh, PAX, different ones. So we, you know, we've got uh, 12 tokens. It'll be 13 in, in, here in a minute. And you know, we could add in pretty much any Ethereum token, frankly, in like five minutes. But um, but it's really more about like consumers and what they want what we found is most most people from a convenience perspective uh, and let me step back the reason we did that is what you don't want to have happen is you if you want to get easy for consumers all they have to do is deposit it onto the card using a wallet that is specific to that token as opposed to having to go and trade it on an exchange and then you know take that new token that they didn't have before it'd just be a total pain in the ass Within the UI, we just accept it. And we're going to be adding in some really cool functionality. We're going to be adding in checking accounts. You can buy and sell cryptocurrencies through those checking accounts. You can ECH in money. Mm. We're going to be able to accept, we're working on presently being able to accept uh, credit cards and debit cards. We've um, There's some stuff we have to go through for due diligence for that, but we're, we're pretty excited about that capability. Um, so there's all these, we want to make it as easy for you to get in and out of it as you want. Because it's not necessarily obviously there's a certain percentage of people who want to buy cryptocurrency from an from an investment perspective. We get that, but what Blockheart is is it's a really a payment tool. So we're not really yeah. focusing on the investment element as much as it is just the convenience. If I want to send money cross borders, and you know, let's say we've got a Blockheart in Mexico, because that's coming, and then let's say I want to remit money to you know Abuelita in Mexico City. Well, I could literally buy cryptocurrency digitally with my card or ACH it in. And then um, as soon as that's been approved, which could be next day or instantly, then I could literally send the money, uh, those digital funds, Abuelita to her block card in Mexico City. She doesn't have to worry about going to Western Union to pick it up. It's just going to completely disintermediate the existing um, companies that are in in that existing um, industry of, you know, of uh, remittance, and and that's a big industry, and that's just one example. That's cross border, so we want to make it as simple and easy for people to basically interact with their with their money the way that they they feel comfortable. Yeah, remittance is a huge industry. That's a really interesting way to go about it for sure. So I I know that you can't set up a block card in every country yet, but you can take it to other countries, right? As long as it's everywhere that uh, accepts a visa, correct? That's right. So today. A U.S. resident can use it anywhere in the world, not North Korea, although that would be a funny customer <laughs> complaint. Hey, I'm uh-huh. in North Korea right now and I can't use my card. <laughs> um, but 
but it works globally for an American resident. We're presently in the, in the process of expanding to 31 countries in Europe, as well as other countries like Australia, New Zealand, Canada, Mexico. Um, there's, there's just a whole host of Malaysia, just a bunch of countries that we've got in our queue that we're trying, we're layering in. And what that means is anybody who's a legal resident in those countries can now remit money back and forth, or they can also use the block card for payment per, you know, uh, uh, purposes. They've got crypto and they want to spend it, or they want to keep their money in digital. We're going to layer in stable token capabilities. You know, we're running as fast as we can, and we only have a certain amount of resources, but we are doing a lot of things really freaking fast. Yeah, it sounds like you guys really are. So would you just need to have the the app to send money back and forth, kind of like what the Cash App does? That's right. And so right now, it's even just today, it's just a web-based app. We're actually going to be building in a physical app that will play into your phone, and it will give us a much easier flexibility for you to interact with your contacts. It'll create a much more sort of viral social connection with your with your friends and family, you know, as as it makes sense for you as a consumer. But um, but that's essentially what it's going to be. The thing with Cash App, which you know has has been great, is mm-hmm. it's kind of like um, you you can't walk into McDonald's and pay with the Cash App. So you know we want to give we want to we want to take the Venmo Cash App model and we want to build on that and to take it. Instead of just having seven million people who've downloaded, you know, our app, we're looking for real, actual users, people who want to treat it more like a banking, like a bank account, because they literally will have the ability to have an FDIC-insured bank account. Very cool. Yeah, it, it's a lot along the lines of uh, banking the unbanked. Yeah, unbanked, uh, crypto banked, uh, not you know any banked. I mean, it. it I, you know, I you said unbanked and made me think about, well, makes me think about two things. One is a great project, which is Celsius. Love them. And then um, mm-hmm. and then there's Libra with Facebook where they're, you know, they're really only, the reason they're creating Libra is because they're just so, they're so concerned about helping the unbanked because they're so generous and, you know, uh, magnanimous. Um, I, I don't view Blockhard as being like the solution to the world's poor. That's not what it is. But what it is, what it does do is it can be used as a wallet for you for free. So I don't care what you make if you only make a dollar, like literally the average wage in India is $7 a month. It's ridiculous. That's median wage. Mm-hmm. Um, if somebody in India wanted to use Blockheart as a wallet for free, I'd be all for that. You know, we're all about that. Um, India's obviously got some challenges with, with, with crypto, but to the extent to which we can give people more control of their money. That's really the focus. It's not it's not trying to sell some bullshit idea around let's create some vision of we're trying to do good in the world and everybody's got rainbows. That to me that's like that's like creating a bullshit corporate mission. I'll be honest with you about what we really intend to do, and it really comes down to giving consumers choices, giving people the ability to control their money in a way that they've never been able to in in literally in history. It's something I'm really proud of, and it's something I think when people interact with it with Blockheart, I think it's something that they're totally gonna gonna love. Yeah, that's I totally agree, and that's awesome. You get you start giving people options in a lot of ways to to choose how they can send and receive payments, and for some people that might be life changing, and others it might be just a great tool. That's I agree with that. I think that's the right way to look at it. Yeah, I th- and I think for from that perspective, I think you guys are doing an amazing job with it. 
with the block card, what are like what are the limits on what you can spend currently? So with that, you know, you're, you're always dealing with the limitations of within the banking sector. And so one of the challenges is sometimes, well, not sometimes, the reason that banks put um, limitations, what you can spend is because of the, the regulations that come from within, you know, any particular regulatory environment. Mm-hmm. So like, for example, in the United States, there are certain laws that require you to report certain level of transactions. So the way that banks ensure that they don't not because they don't want to be compliant with it, because they don't want to make a mistake. So in order to ensure you don't make that mistake, you you don't offer that limit. <laughs> you, right. you literally ensure that you don't have to put yourself in a situation where you can violate the law. So you just limit the options for your consumers. And so right now we've got $3,000 as a daily limit for the card. I think it for the ATM, it's like $990 or something like that. Technically mm-hmm. we could probably, you know, at some point maybe phase two, um, you know, for certain kinds of customers or depending on how we want to structure the program, we could do as much as 10,000. Um, but there, are, once again, you're running yourself a risk of now what would, there are reporting procedures that come in place where there's certain transaction levels and that it, it's a more burdensome, costly, it's a manual process. Frankly. Um, and, and, and they don't joke around. So, right. so the, the, the safe bet is, you know, 3,000. And then the question mark becomes, okay, so what if I've got some enterprise customers? What do I want to do there? How do we want to approach large companies that are doing maybe mass volume? And how do we structure a program for, for, for companies that might do $50,000 a day um, as uh, using a as, you know, block card as a payments platform? Today, we've been focusing on consumers. Um, it's not to say that in the future that we won't have the capability to, to, to kind of increase that capability, but 3,000 is where we presently are. Right. And I think for the average consumer, 3000 is more than enough. But I mean, it gets interesting when you think about like an enterprise customer that you might have in the future who needs to go out and buy equipment or might need to buy a company car or exactly. some some big purchase that a, a larger company would generally make. And they might want to do it with crypto and they might want to use block cards. So yeah, that, that is kind of like an interesting dilemma for sure. But I'm sure there's ways for them to like opt in for that. Yeah. And if we did it, we would do it right. You know, and at that point say, okay, well, how big is that marketplace? What customers do we have? How much is it going to cost us to be compliant to ensure that we don't screw that up because you don't want to play around and, and you just, you make a conscious decision, you put all the resources that you need to and you execute. And that's what we would do when we get to that point. Right. That makes sense. So when, when you put crypto on the card or you send crypto to the wallet, yeah. Do you convert that to Turnio or does that automatically convert to Turnio? So everything converts on the block card directly into turn because there's a couple of reasons for that. We need a we need a one currency where everything kind of is. If you've deposited Litecoin and Ethereum and Bitcoin, we we want to make it so that, you know, it's like one currency. It's otherwise you're saying, well, which one do I pick? Do I put a little bit of Bitcoin in and then I do Litecoin? It just gets a little weird. So mm-hmm. it's like everything is into turn. It's also turn is because it's it's an XLM based token. It's designed for payments, and so because of that, we actually can facilitate um, transfers cross border, intra border, right next to you know, right next to you because I'm splitting the bill with you at the table. I can do that um, instantly at no cost. There's it's basically a thousandth of a penny for a transfer, and so all transactions we don't charge any transaction fees. Because we don't have mining. And that's one of the old school, you know, um, 
kind of axioms or things you'd hear people say regularly is that you'll never pay for um, bit, you'll never pay for you know coffee with Bitcoin because it's just too expensive with mm-hmm. the mining fees. So we've completely eliminated that. It's a one-time deposit, and then I'll basically everything is there's no no transaction fees, no worries about additional costs. Um, you know, we charge five dollars a month for, for the block card, but we just tried to minimize all the fees as much as we could, and we felt that was an important way to do it. Not to mention that it supported the people who supported Turn, you know, on day one. Turn, with Turn, what gives it its value necessarily? Because I know that it's supposed to be pretty close to the dollar, but I remember when we talked about it, you said that it's definitely not a stable coin. What what kind of like stabilizes Turn so that like a customer doesn't necessarily worry about all of a sudden having $10 one day and $5 the next? Yeah, for sure. And so, the you know, when... We were seeing, that's a great question. When you look at like, let's say, I'm not going to try to bash uh, XLM or anything right now, but what we found was <laughs> XLM was doing massive airdrops, okay? And mm-hmm. it was, and you probably heard the news yesterday where they're, they're they just, you know, saw like a 25% gain on the news because they just decided to burn like 50 billion tokens or something, right? And, right. and they still have a tremendous number of tokens, by the way. They had just an insane amount of tokens. Um, and and so it's like they kept doing these airdrops and the price kept dropping and dropping and dropping. And so what would happen is Turn being an XLM-based token was effectively dropping with it. And so even though we had seen our price continue to, to kind of fight up uphill or upstream against that XLM drop, it was very difficult. And so the, the reason that it keeps value is because it's based upon when people are depositing, they're actually converting it into Turn. That Turn... Um, it becomes a store of value. So then it becomes a, ma- a, a matter of um, supply and demand. Supply supply being deposits and demand being uh, spending behavior. So that's kind of the, that's really what affects the up and down. We actually have been very stable as a as a, as a price. Not we're not a stable token, but it we, for the most part fluctuated in a in a fairly reasonable range. Um, and we've tried to maintain that value to to hold that value in a way that made sense for consumers. And I think when people use Blockheart, that's going to be the standard. If I'm putting in $100, am I getting it, you know, $100 back? That's the key. And so we've designed Blockheart in a way that was it was intentionally trying to protect consumers. And so one of the things we did recently was we completely decoupled from the XLM price so that no matter what happens to XLM, it, it really has zero impact on price of turn within the Blockheart app itself. Interesting. You is it coupled to anything else, or does it like have like a basket of something that kind of backs up its value? Yeah, so it's it's not a stable token, but we do we we created a thing that's hard. To, I won't get it too in depth on it because it's right. a little bit of like it's like too yeah. wonky, but um like like inside baseball. But basically, we created a a peg. Okay, so we created a peg that kind of had an internal marketplace that connects block hard users. So deposits and uh, spending behavior was basically would impact the value of the term that they were spending uh, or whatever the price that they were depositing into. And so, so far, um, we launched that maybe a month or so ago. That has been um, been very good. We have not had any complaints. People seem to be liking the system. It allows for a free flow of, um, of consumers to use it in a way that is seamless. And so that, that has been working for us. Um, and the way we describe it is kind of against a peg. Okay, got it. Now that makes more sense. Yeah, I was kind of curious because 
and I know that you were kind of against the idea of a stable coin because it doesn't make sense. And I kind of agree with you. And it, I was kind of confused on what was um, behind turn and kind of like helping stabilize it and give it its value. But no, that makes a lot more sense. Crypto is a complicated beast with a lot of different variations. <laughs> it's not that we're, I'm very supportive of stable tokens. I think stable tokens are the future. But when it came to the block card, if you're converting from, the way I think about it is if you're converting from an asset that has risk for the most part, right, which people are depositing Litecoin, Bitcoin, they are already used to the risk. So what they're doing is they're transferring that set of risk to a new set of risk. But um, but so far, like I said, everything has been working really well. And Turn has sort of done a good job of being a not a stable value, but but a good score of value as it relates to payments. It's not an investment vehicle. Mm -hmm. It's not intended to be an investment vehicle. It's intended to be a spending capability. I think the only issue I have with stable coins is a lot of them are pegged to the dollar. And the last thing I want is to be pegged to the dollar. I might as well just go buy dollars. <laughs> I, I think the future <laughs> is when it's backed by a more stable hard asset or something that has good long-term value. Um, so I think stable coins have some evolving to do. Well, what's good is that people have options right now. So let's say that you felt that way where like, so we have all these white label block cards and even if it wasn't related to block card, what I love about crypto is there's so much innovation happening. There's stable tokens. They have a use case. There's gold backed. Kind of, you've probably seen like, you know, PAX has one, mm -hmm. Stably's looking at one. There's, there's different gold backed asset ones. You know, um, there's, there's smart tokens like a BNB. I mean, I, it's not smart token, but it's BNB is a very well, uh, well managed um, model mm -hmm. for, for consumers. People who bought BNB have done really well. Bitcoin is obviously on a deflationary algorithm. So there's a lot of different um, options for consumers. And as long as people have that choice, hopefully it's not, it's not, hopefully it's not a situation where people are being tricked into something that is, you know, like uh, the old BitConnect or something like that, some bullshit, mm -hmm. you know, token that's a scam, right? Right. Because um, that, that kind of stuff existed in the past and it still exists, but hopefully less today. Um, but giving consumers options is always kind of my default because then people can look at the little lay of the land and if they prefer that gold-backed token, well, great. As long as it's really gold-backed, by the way. Uh, the market will kind of sort that self out all that yeah. stuff out over time. Like I'm not too worried about that, but yeah, there's definitely a lot of options out there, which, which is a good thing in retrospect. Yes. Yeah, what you said is exactly right. I'm a markets guy, right? So it's, it's market-based consumers will dictate what makes sense, what doesn't. And I, I suspect probably is a, is a, you know, there'll be almost group think within the market where people will sort of figure out the things that make the most sense to them. It'll probably be a handful. Daniel, before we wrap up and everything, is there anything that you guys got going on with uh, Blockcard or Turnio or Turn that you want people to be aware of? Any important dates? Um, any important like updates? I'll kind of open it up for you. Man, we've got so much stuff. Like we're building. <laughs> we're, I mean, I can't even tell you our dev our dev calendar is crazy. But um, between several white label deals that are going live um, and that are in queue, just for the Blockcard itself. We've got things like checking accounts, FDIC insured checking accounts that will give you the ability to spend on the card, be able to buy or sell cryptocurrencies as an inner, uh, on or off ramp, no different Coinbase 
we're super excited about that. Um, actually having a, an, a native app that'll be on your phone. We're excited about that. Expanding into Europe with 31 countries, expanding into some of the other markets like Canada, Mexico, um, New Zealand, Australia. I mean, we do, we do not stop. Um, uh, there are so many different like things that right now that we've got in our queue that are going to be great uh, capabilities. I said before, purchasing cryptocurrency with um, MasterCard Visa or using a um, uh, technically that's not accurate using a debit or credit card that will allow you to buy crypto. Um, that that's probably the better way to say it. So there there's a whole bunch of stuff in our queue that is coming live in the next two to three months. Very cool. Where's a good place for people to to follow? What you guys are doing? Are you guys more active on Twitter or social media, or do you guys have a blog on your website? Yeah, so I mean, so there's of course our website, getblockcard.com. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say go there and, and sign up. It's free to sign up for a wallet, and then you can determine if you want to, you know, actually get block card. Um, so love that. Then you've got, you know, I'm very active on LinkedIn, so I I love to talk about blockchain just as in thought leadership. Um, Ian is very active on, on Twitter. So if you're into Twitter and your guy or the Turnio, you know, you know, the Turnio token, um, handle for Twitter. Um, and then I'm on LinkedIn all the time. Those are probably the two. And, and really, if you really want to want to make one of the things that makes us unique is it freaks people out because I'm actually really active. Ian and I are active in our telegram. Be careful of scammers. There's a lot of people trying to impersonate us. FYI, but we're actually in telegram. We're constantly talking to our customers you know people are like shocked when i'll email them because they'll i i'm on every email for feedback we do a feedback survey for every customer mm-hmm. and i get a i get a response from the customer directly so i'll respond i'm like hey thanks for the feedback and they're like is this really daniel i'm like yeah it's me so <laughs> um so you know we try to be really because we try to keep our nose to the ground and like grindstone we really want to understand our the feedback from, from consumers we're small enough where we still can do that and it's so important getting that feedback from customers. I love it when people compliment us, and I appreciate it when people say, "Well, you guys suck," you know, or something. And I, I try to understand why is that, and, and what can we do better next time. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to get my block card. I'm going to order it pretty soon, and then I'll definitely send you some feedback. But yeah, I'm excited to try it out. Thank you. I would love I would love that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Daniel, thanks for coming on and taking the time and everything. Really appreciate it. And I, there's going to be a lot of people out there that are really interested in block card probably, and that are going to want to use it and find it useful as a tool. So again, thank you for coming on and sharing and taking the time. No, thanks for having me. And, and this has been a lot of fun. Awesome. All right. I'll talk to you later. Okay.